Hey, Janae, let's do something different with today's episode of Sip on This. That sounds awesome. It's great to be recording another episode of Sip on This, a podcast that brings the audience along the wondrous journey of wine tasting here in Napa, Sonoma, and Fields Afar. What do you have in mind for today's episode? And normally we interview a winemaker or a wine educator, but joining us on today's episode is someone who knows more than just wines. He knows a lot about the whole wine lifestyle. Joining us today is the president of Napa Valley Life magazine, Kevin Evans. Kevin, welcome to Sip on this. Hi, Roger and Janae. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And to our audience, welcome to episode 16 of Sip on This. I thought for today's episode, we'd play a game of three questions. How does that sound, guys? I don't really know if I like that, but <laughs> I'll play a lot. Well, we'll take turns uh, asking each other questions, but all of us have to give the honest truth. Sure. Yeah, Kevin, you game? Sounds fun, with, sounds fun to me. Okay, promise it'll be fun. Uh, so let me ask the first question, both to Kevin and Roger. In one word, how do you describe Napa? Mm. Well, for me, that word would be romantic. And not always necessarily in that kind of love sense, but romantic in the terms of a lifestyle, uh, the idealized notion of, of living, the quintessential experience that I always seek when I come to Napa. That would be the one word I would use to describe Napa. I would have to go with sexy. Oh. Um, I, I, use, I use that a lot. Um, I, I think Napa, it, it's just one of those few places in the world that you don't hear anything bad about. It's sort of like a Paris uh-huh. or, or New York but it's Napa and it just it, it just has that feel to it that you just want to get involved with it and, and have that intimate experience uh, with the wines the wineries the, the hotels the restaurants so it's that feel everywhere you go and you know you said the word sexy and you were, said the word intimate and in your magazine Napa Valley Life magazine you do a lot of that that's what you bring forth in, in the contents of your magazine you bring forth the sexiness the allure the intimacy of experiences of Napa isn't that right? well we, we try to do that and really we're trying to capture that feeling because that's what the feeling is from the winemakers from the wineries and that's what they're doing so we're trying to capture that feel so really we're trying to play off what they're doing we're not trying to create that feeling we're just trying to capture that moment like a great photographer mm-hmm. if they capture that moment correctly in a photograph right you can have that feeling through the photo and we try to do that through both words and photos and in the feel of the magazine and the magazine has been around for how long uh, it's been around for about 20 years now yeah well, I wish I could take credit for launching the magazine, but what we ended up doing is really buying the magazine uh, about two and a half years ago, and uh, it was about October 2016. Um, I've been in the publishing business for 30 years. The opportunity came up for us to be involved with Napa, and how can you not? It's, it's Napa Valley, for God's sake. So mm-hmm. we had to take advantage of that, so we acquired the magazine, and then we began shifting the emphasis of the publication, more of telling the stories of people. Uh, more of focusing on some of the boutique wines. We, we wanted people that, whether they lived in the valley or lived outside the valley, to have that opportunity to discover new wines or wineries and go, wow, I didn't know that. So we're trying to tell the story. And Napa has so many wines and wineries here. How can you not have fresh material every issue? And that's what we try to do. We just try to capture that. And I think we've done a pretty good job so far. Mm-hmm. We do that with Sip on This because, as you said, there's so many wineries, over 525 wineries in just this Napa, Sonoma region. And as we said before on, on many episodes, of sip on this. Napa only produces uh, four, about 4% of the world's wines, or California only produces about 4% of the world's wines. So in this little microcosm, so much opportunity to explore. And 
that's what you're doing with your magazine. Well, we, we try. Uh, you can never hit the perfect magazine. And it's like, what's the perfect golf game? And that's what hmm. we try to do. We keep trying to come out with a better and better issue each time. We're very critical of ourselves. And so we're never satisfied in any issue. And I think that's a good thing. How do you decide what content to put in your magazines? There's just so many great experiences, so many great events every month in Napa, every, so many great wineries in Napa, so many great personalities, the winemakers, the chefs, the cooks that, that are all in here in, in Napa. Um, so many great institutions in that book, uh, legendary wineries, but also like the Culinary Institute of America, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, just so many grand opportunities here. How do you narrow in and focus on what you want to highlight? Uh, that's the toughest job we have. Uh, we've started, for example, one of the things that we've done that helped steer us, we started a three-year process of covering all the sub-AVAs mm. in, in the Napa Valley. So I think there's 17 of them, roughly. That number keeps moving around a little bit, but roughly about 17 of them. So we're covering a different AVA each issue, mm-hmm. which allows us to dig deeper into that and then help our readers kind of better understand what the different uh, regions are, what they do, the differences. Are they above the fog, below the fog, mm-hmm. you know, east, east facing east, west. Uh, so there's a lot to, to, to dig in there. So you are, in, in addition to providing this kind of insider's look into the lifestyle, the wine lifestyle, and the Napa Valley lifestyle, you're also hoping to um, become a publication that educates consumers as well. Well, it helps. Well, we see ourselves as cheerleaders for Napa Valley. Sure. And as part of that, part of it is an educational part of it because the more that people are drawn into Napa, the more they know about Napa, the more they have that intimate connection that we talked about earlier. So that helps them really stay involved with Napa and want to come back. And ultimately, it's about people want to vote with their dollars, but they want to have a great experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what we try to help them because I think, you know, having t- spoken with a, a significant amount of winemakers, they're after that experience with um, the person coming in to sample their wine. Mm-hmm. And they know that when they have that intimate relationship with the wine or the winemaker and they're sitting down for an hour and a half and they're getting the education for it, that means they're vested in that wine or that winemaker. That's so right. they're going to stay part of that club a lot longer and they're going to take that wine, they're going to take it home and they're going to tell that story to friends because that's, right. that's really what wine's about. Wine is really a bonding mechanism for people to get together because I, I do it all the time. We'll be sitting at home with some friends and we'll pop a new bottle. Hey, check this out. Hey, tell me a little bit about about it so you become that education part we're just doing that in print in our social media as well as our digital platforms we do it across all the different platforms and we were trying to create that experience for Napa Valley as a whole and also introduce them to some new wines that they may not have heard of I love what you said there's the one mechanism that makes it the binding experience yeah I love that I really believe that and it's I just I experience it every time I go home and I'm sitting around with friends and you know when Janae and I record podcast episodes with all the various wineries and the winemakers uh, we often and we frequently almost every episode that talk about the sub-AVA or the AVA because it's the terrar, it's the climate it's the soil that really makes each wine unique and different which really makes the experience unique and different from taste 
taste to taste and which enhances each person's experience. Oh, each ABA is different and then each each vintage year is different. Mm-hmm. It's and that's what it's always a moving moving target. Mm-hmm. It's not like drinking a can of beer that you know what you're getting every time. That's right. <laughs> and then you, you then you lay it down for a little bit longer or you open it up for a few hours longer and so it changes the taste and it's just it's it's a fantastic experience. And that's what really wine is about. It's about bonding and also experiencing becoming part of that bottle. Absolutely. Janae, you haven't given us your word yet. No, I haven't. But I would say that my word would be anomaly. Mm. Um, Mm. Napa is truly an anomaly in every aspect of the word. I would say geologically. I would say uh, climactically. Um, I would also say just kind of like in in a lifestyle way and we're talking about Napa Valley life and the wine lifestyle right now so in a lifestyle way as well um, geologically we're talking about over half of the world's soil orders so if there are 200 soil types in the world Napa has over 100 of them that's insane um, that's crazy and we're talking about a very very small area we're talking about 30 miles long 5 miles wide at its widest point um, so geological no- anomaly for sure we have have two main mountain ranges and you know one was formed by tectonic plate shifts and the other was formed by uh, volcanic activity and so and then that kind of like geological party that happened millions of years ago gave way to all these soil types and that's why we have this kind of diversity of soil Um, we're talking about a Mediterranean climate here so 2% of the world's climate is Mediterranean very very small so very special Um, and we have these hot days and these like really cool nights so like like diurnal swings and diurnal shifts so the the temperature fluctuation from day to night and that um, that kind of shift is something that it's also kind of an anomaly as well because we're talking about it could be 40 degrees from day to evening maybe even more um, so climactically it is a geological anomaly and then just Napa in general we have one winery next to another winery next to another winery like you can actually like walk from each one the ones that are you know mm-hmm. on the valley floor versus the ones that are in the mountains um, but if you're in Tuscany you have acres and acres and acres and there's just one big winery here and then like four miles down the road you might have another winery so the fact that each winery has a next door neighbor that you could walk to that's pretty interesting and unique as well okay my turn to ask a question what is your favorite wine varietal and for me it's syrah more so the central coast syrah from the santa barbara region santa barbara california region because i like that rich earthy volcanic ash and then the full jamminess of those grapes of those little raw grapes and that truly for me is my happy spot Hmm. um i would say that uh what got me into wine 2004, I guess, uh, is Burgundy, mm. um, and specifically Pinot Noir. Mm. Um, the way I described wine, I was so confused when I had described wine this way back in 2004, not knowing anything about it. I personified it. I said that it was elegant and soft and feminine, and I was so confused about why I was describing wine in a way that was you would describe a person. And um, absolute favorite 
all-time varietal. Do you like those Pinots that are more uh, like cherry flavored focused or more like an earthy mushroom uh, flavor? Super earthy, super, super mushroomy, um, Burgundian in style. Mm-hmm. Burgundy or in places like Oregon, mm. um, places that are very, very cool climates. Mm-hmm. And obviously Pinot is a cool climate varietal, but some places are warmer than others. Mm-hmm. But the colder the place, the, the more I'll love the Pinot. I like that. Yeah. So, Kevin, you live in Texas. There's wine country down there. They produce a bunch of eclectic different uh, varietals down there. But you come to Napa, you know, four to six times a year. What do you like? I got to wave the banner for the cab. Yeah? Uh, the cab is king for you. Huh? I, I love the Cabernet. Uh, I love its complexities. I like a big, bold cab. Mm. Um, obviously, living in Texas, I like to eat steak, mm-hmm. heavy peppered steak. Mm-hmm. And what goes with that? Then a heavy, meaty cab. That's right. Um, but then if you have a nice cab that's been laying down for six or eight years and, mm. and sitting around and just want something to sit to, mm-hmm. it can soften a little bit more too. So, right. so, so cabs can be very complex and I just, I just love that about them. And so the, I'm, the, I'm a cab fan, 100%. And do you have a second favorite varietal? Uh, Not to put you on the spot. Y- you know, <laughs> the Petite Verdot is starting mm. to grow on me a little bit. Janae's um, a big Petite Verdot fan. It's, those can be really, they'll catch you off guard. Um, and I think they need to lay down a little bit longer, but I, I really like them. So that'd probably be my second favorite. Jenny, why do you like Petite Verdot? Is it the tartness of it? I think I'm, I'm a big champion of the underdog. I always have been, and Petit Verdot is often not in the spotlight. It's normally used as a blending grape. When I see it at 100% or when I see it as the majority of a blend, I'm super excited because, you know, it's always an academic kind of educational activity where you get to actually see the expression of this grape that's often muted because it's blended with so many others, but you actually get to see and taste what it actually what it actually brings to the table. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get a lot of love. It yeah. really no, it doesn't. It's, 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 I, I think a lot of people pass it by. I don't even know much about it. It's, yeah. it's, it's like you said, it was blending in with a, usually a cab, maybe a little bit of Merlot thrown in there. So it gets, it gets muted quite a bit. That's right. Well, Kevin, it's your turn to ask a question. Uh, <laughs> gosh, now you're putting me on the spot. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. Um, what are your three favorite wineries to go to? Mm, my three favorite. I, I kind of know offhand what my three favorite wineries. But you know what? You're the magazine guy. I'm going to toss it back to you and have you start this. What are your three favorite wineries or places to go to here in Napa? (laughs) It's like asking me to name my favorite kid. Not fair, (laughs) not fair. Um, I know there's so many great places. Well, I get that question a lot from people that are heading out to Napa and they'll ask, where should I go? And it's so difficult to answer that question. I always throw it back and what kind of experience do you want? Mm. Are you looking at a great view? Are you looking at some fantastic wines? Are you there just to to have a, a tasting and move on? Uh, are you in it for the education? But if I had to strip all that away, and if I had to pick three, Constant is a fantastic view. Um, I've uh, I was introduced to that place on my last trip out here, and just fell in love with the view. Out. And mm-hmm. that's so that was a fantastic. Um, is it? And what do they produce there? Um, they just changed winemakers, I believe. Um, 
but they're cabs. I think they do a Sauvignon Blanc, but mm-hmm. I was focused on the cabs. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but the view up there is just to die mm-hmm. for. And it's very difficult to get into. Um, there's a minimum purchase you have to make. So you have to understand that going in there, but it's so worth it. And Got the it. wine's really good. And, I, and they produce an olive oil too. Oh, great. Yeah. And, which is and so that's well kind of nice too. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's neat. Um, and I heard that they, the owner comes down in like this really old Jeep down to the, down to the base of the mountain and then takes you all the way up. Is that true? Not any, that may have been in the old days. Mm, okay. the, the property has been sold. Ah. Uh, it was sold about a year ago and it was given as a wedding gift oh, wow. to a daughter. Right. Uh, I believe the new owners are out of China. Oh. And so it's still a working home. And so the actual place is the home of the original owner. And there's some great stories there. So if you do a little research on the previous owners, he was a, kind of a wild child. would fly in his helicopter into the, the location, and the neighbors didn't like that. So um, there's a lot of, a lot of stories there. Um, another one of my favorites to go to, if you ever get the chance, uh, is um, uh, Caldwell. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Joey yeah. and John Caldwell are just awesome and it's a fantastic story I'm going to leave it there because I can't do any justice to that story oh, okay. uh, because he is uh, he, he is the original smuggler into Napa he literally uh, I'll give a short story he smuggled vines out of France to Napa mm-hmm. and, and planted the clones here. Mm-hmm. And so he goes by the Society of Smugglers. <laughs> He's created his own little brand that way. So, But you have to hear the story from him if you're really, because I can't do it remotely justice. I but love that an, teaser. It's an yeah. incredible story. Look it up. It's just fantastic. I've been to that property. Yeah. yeah. In Coombsville. Yeah. Okay. And, and the cave is beautiful too. Mm-hmm. If you get into their private cave that's hidden back in their, um, their storage area, it's just a beautiful, intimate place to have a tasting. Mm. And the third has to be Raymond. Mm. Uh, anybody who hasn't been there yet, uh, it's it, spectacular. You don't go to Raymond; you experience Raymond. Right, That's what I hear. And they have a great educational part of it. They have an outdoor garden they can walk through. They're very educational, hands-on. Uh, John Charles is very, very aware and conscious of the environment. Um, he's also he will do crazy things. <laughs> One time, uh, I heard this story yesterday. In fact, when I was at Raymond. He was pulling up to the property and saw a car running with a dog in with the air conditioner on. And so he went in, got the dog, you know, took it into the winery and found the owners and said, you know, you left your dog out here. And they said, well, you have no place to water the dog. He created this barn, this barn and little wine tasting area for dogs. (laughs) So you can put your dog in there and I can do your tasting. So he just he will do creative Mm. things like that. So I love Raymond. There's a tremendous shock and entertainment value when you go there. And he produces some fantastic wines on top of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I brought a little little gift here that we can sample here, the JCB Ooh, number 10. Look at that. Beautiful bottle. Um, the great thing about um, Raymond and JCB is he numbers all of his bottles. Mm-hmm. They all have meanings behind the numbers. Uh, for example, number one is the first wine he ever blended and mixed, so that's number one. And then he created this number 10. And number 10 is uh, much more bolder than a number one, so he ba- basically created on a one to 10, one being a more soft, elegant wine wine to a number 10, which is your bold cabs, which mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. So I've had this breathing for maybe about uh, an hour and a half, two hours, so it's ready to go if you want to sample some. I'd love to. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for bringing that. And what is, is that really aerator? Pour? Yeah, what is that little aerator device that you attach to the top of the bottle? Yeah, so that's a Tribella, and, and what it does is it has a three-pronged uh, s- 
spout and it also has a hole in the top so it sucks the air in mm. and lets it breathe while it's pouring. Mm. Oh, thank you very much. And so if you need that quick aeration or double aeration, this is a fantastic, fantastic way to, to help speed up that process. Oh, I love that. Yeah, look at that. That's very a cool little cool. device. And it just looks cool too. Yeah, let's be honest. It's got the cool factor. It's got a little spaceship kind of uh, feel to it, look to it. Yeah, I was curious when I first saw that and then um, I tried it and I run all my wines through. If I'm not decanting or aerating them, uh, aerating them, then I'll use that. Do you decant all your wines? When I'm smart enough and uh, <laughs> it's a plan ahead, yeah. I wish I could say yes all the time, but no. If I do some tastings at the house for some friends and I know I'm going to do that later, I'll pop you know two, three, four bottles uh, about five or six hours ahead of mm-hmm. time. I find about six hours is really good, especially on the younger wines. Mm-hmm. Um, if something's a little bit older, it doesn't need as much time. If, if I'm opening something like around a 2003, for example, mm-hmm. I'll try to give it two hours. Right. And that's about right. Right. And the JCB number 10 is uh, Cab Saw or a Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. I wonder, is, is it 100%? Is it? I don't think so. And this is a 13. Okay. Um, I'm not sure the exact blend, so you got me on that one. Uh, and they only produce about 240 cases mm, this year, so it's a small. It's a very small production. I, I believe this bottle goes for about $250 a bottle, yeah. so it's good stuff. Yeah, and it, it, go, it would go great with a steak. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's really good. Of course, I've already tasted it. <laughs> you jumped the gun on us. What's? I always do. Well, well played, ma'am. Well played. <laughs> well, so, well, cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Yes. And we're using the Govino cup, so you didn't hear the clink of the glass, but we love these Govinos. I, they're so fun for picnics and everything. Oh, mm, man, that bouquet is so focused and concentrated. But it's got that, that kick to it. It really yeah. it, it has a pop to it. It really it is. It's, it's, this could lay down probably another five years. Easily. It would be, it'd be perfect. Right now, it's even at a 13, it's still fairly mm-hmm. young. I would say this needs to open up for probably another, probably four hours or five hours to really. Wow. Mm. Oh, wow. I, I, I actually love it right now. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it could use more decanting, but um, I love it right now. I love that you actually said that there's a pop to it. And I completely agree with you. I think there's a pop of fruit. Mm. And I also think there's a pop of like uh, spice. It's a little bit of like wow. a, a peppery like a black pepper, but also like a green bell pepper, just a hint of that as well. Um, and it is pretty darn cool. This is uh, perhaps the boldest Cabernet that I've had in Napa Valley so far. I think it's just phenomenal. I love the texture of it. It's got this a hint of grittiness, but mostly silkiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that sexiness that you were talking about there at, this, at the top of the episode there, Kevin. But I get a lot of great... Uh, uh, tobacco and leather out of this. I would do this with like great smoked barbecue or something too. Yeah, that would go well as well. But it has to be heavy peppered because this this wine will overpower so many foods. Yeah. Well, Kevin, I have a question for you. I would actually like you to define the Napa Valley lifestyle. Actually, that wasn't a question. It was more of a statement and more me commanding you to do something. So apologies. But yes, please describe um, the Napa Valley lifestyle in your own words. And what are the quintessential components for living one? Yeah, I have to think about that. Um, To me, the Napa Valley lifestyle represents that sexiness we were talking about 
earlier. So a visitor coming to Napa, I think fits in several different categories. You have the casual person that just wants to come in and sample a few wines, isn't really a heavy buyer. We'll stay at a, a, a lower end hotel and just kind of say, okay, let's nap for the weekend, um, sample a few wines and leave. But I think more and more people are coming to Napa and really wanting to experience Napa. So what they want, they want to stay at a nice resort mm-hmm. hotel. They want to be pampered. They want fantastic food and they want to try some great wines and then they want to take that wine home as a remembrance of that trip mm-hmm. and so they want to create that at home and share that with others mm-hmm. so i think in general that's what they're after uh, they want to stay at the archer or they want to stay at the silver router or the meritage and those places tend to cater to that lifestyle they have concierge that'll help direct you uh, where you might want to go i also think it's so important that if someone's going to be coming to Napa to have an itinerary, get with a limo driver ahead of time, work with them on what you're after, have an idea of what kind of experience you want. As we talked about earlier, do you want great views? Do you want great wines? Do you want to be pampered? Do you want shock value? There's so many different ways to go. And I've seen so many different wineries here that fit all those different categories. So you have to decide what kind of trip you want and you have to plan that trip ahead. But I think it will help some of your audience really understand what they should do coming in and and don't do more than three wineries a day. That's right. I've yeah. I've I've tried the five or six route, and it is brutal. Five max for me, it's and I and I gave up on it. Three max for me. <laughs> well, you have you know, and the reason I say that because you you want to enjoy each. You yes. don't want to be racing to each you know each winery. And you also want to remember your trip to Napa. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to remember what you bought. And sometimes what I do what what I do uh, too is if I'm going and buying some wine, and when I fill it out. I take a picture of that so I remember what I bought at the experience. I take some photographs at, at the wineries as well. Mm-hmm. And also you got a plan for a great lunch. Mm-hmm. There's some fantastic meals that you can have here. Either you want to get a little picnic lunch and enjoy it at one of the wineries or you can have a nice sit-down lunch somewhere and really that just accentuates the experience. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and Kevin, you're so right because what you do with your magazine and what Janae and I do with our podcast is, uh, you know, we help set the tone for the audience, those that want to come and visit Napa. Because when I, when I first moved to San Francisco, you know, three years ago, I said, I'm going to go visit all the wineries here. And I was on a mission to find the most beautiful winery and the most amazing wine. And you kind of level set that with your comment earlier as well. And here, Kevin is pouring uh, another glass for Janae Typical for another podcast episode. (laughs) And then, you know, what we do with your magazine, what we do with our our podcast is we help those that are coming here to begin to plan their experience. Roger, what would your top three places to hang out in Napa be? Mm. Well, my go-to place in Napa Valley... Uh, if I just need uh, a great view and good wine and a very friendly staff is Silverado Winery. Just uh, I'm a member there uh, and I just love the view. Uh, I think it's got the most spectacular views of the entire north end, north end part of Napa Valley. Uh, in terms of really good wines, uh, it's where I met you, Janae, at Hall Wines. Mm-hmm. I think they do some tremendous uh, Pinot Noirs and Cabernet Sauvignons. I think some of the best in the Napa Valley region. And, you know, if I need a, a place to stay uh, for a nice weekend just to with friends, with family, or just by myself to decompress, 
I love going to the Indian Springs Resort in Calistoga. They have natural hot springs. The water is always 95 to 102 degrees. Great activities over there in the cute little downtown part of uh, of Calistoga. What, I live right across the street. Uh, you live right there? And, yep. and didn't they just make a movie? Wine Country. Wine Country. I saw them filming it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and that just got released on Netflix. So, yeah. Uh, you know, that's those would be my top three spots. Mm. And, Janae, you know, you're a local. You live in Calistoga. So, I bet you have a different take on top three places to visit or hang out in. I'm a local for the last three years. So, mm -hmm. I moved here three years ago from Chicago. But um, I would say that... Um, for a place to stay, um, I still have a very special uh, place in my heart for Meadowood. It mm. was it was the first place I stayed on my first trip to Napa in 2011. Um, so I have a fond memories of that place. Um, and some of you might know it has a three Michelin star restaurant attached to it. And the chef, um, Christopher Costo, is a Chicagoan as well. Um, and it is magnificent in every way. Uh, so that will be my recommendation for a place to stay, my number one. Um, and then other places to visit in Napa. I love, um, if you're really into art, my mm. place to go that I recommend to every Everyone is Hess Collection. Mm, that's um, a yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It is, if you are super into art and you love contemporary art, then you go there for the art collection. Mm -hmm. uh, Donald Hess is one of the top 200 art collectors in the entire world. Mm -hmm. And um, he built this amazing uh, gallery. It's more like a museum, but mm -hmm. it's a three-story gallery on top of his barrel aging room. And it actually kind of tells the story of uh, contemporary art from its beginnings till now and it is fabulous mm -hmm. and so a lot of the artists you will recognize um, and a lot of the pieces you will recognize as well. He actually has a triptych of three of, of Francis Bacon which is kind of insane and they're all about like 96 inches by like 70 and they're huge and magnificent to see up close. People like Yue Min Jun um, who does mm -hmm. all of these fun faces there. Uh, he makes... They're kind of like semi-autobiographical. Um, they're laughing faces, and he's a Chinese artist who kind of uh, goes against the grain and, and, and does protesting uh, through his art. Um, and other people you'll know as well. So that is one of my top, top recommendations. And I guess for a third recommendation, I would say um, implore people to visit... Lovina restaurant actually in Calistoga, which is a really kind of down home restaurant, very upscale, but at the same time relaxed mm. and uh, beautifully presented food, almost like food is art. And um, it's absolutely delicious. So, those would be my top three must do's, must see in Napa Valley. Mm. So, Kevin, we're talking about all these great experiences. What do you try to capture in every issue of Napa Valley Life magazine? That's a good question, but um, I'd like to add that Hess has a fantastic Isn't it great. Well, it has a fantastic food pairing. Yes, they do. That, that right. is on their. Uh, you have to go through the art gallery to get there, but it's in yeah. their private dining room there, and it is to die for. And mm -hmm. I highly recommend that. You can really have a great experience at Hess if you add that on. So I highly suggest that. So I just wanted to add on to that. And you know what else Hess has is they produce a uh, Malbec grappa. 
Grappa, really? Yes. I had no idea. Oh my gosh, yes. And it just reminds me of Italy, which is so nice. Yeah, the Grappa in Italy. Mm-hmm. So back to you, Kevin. What do you try to capture in every episode or every issue of Napa Valley Life magazine? Well, we try to plan our issues out two and three issues ahead so we can give uh, really good coverage and plan what the magazine is going to look like. So each issue is different. Um, I'm always getting suggestions either from our readers, from the folks I'm talking to when I'm out visiting the valley. I'm always getting story ideas. Uh, so there really isn't a magic formula. I'm just not that smart. <laughs> I'm, just a good, I'm a good listener. Mm-hmm. And, so, and a good storyteller. Thank you. Um, uh, I, I try to capture moments the best I can. Yes. And it's so difficult to tell the story properly. And that's why I had to kind of stray away from the one about uh, Caldwell because it, I just can't do it justice. But in each issue, we try to have a themed issue like we'll have a food and wine issue for example we just uh, put out a fashion issue Uh, we'll have the best of issues so we try to go around that as the theme and then we have a lot of other things we try to spotlight uh, boutique wines and Mm -hmm. wineries that Mm -hmm. usually don't have a voice and don't get the exposure so we try to capture those as well and give uh, them their due very important I I love and I am just a sucker for the boutique wines and wineries and you know I, I love the 200 to 60 Hundred case producers. Mm-hmm. I think that it is a true craft of love, and you can just feel it in some of those bottles. Yeah. And so I really, really go after a lot of that, and uh, because a few people hear of it. Yeah. I mean, one of the secrets I have, I'll go to Acme Fine Wines mm-hmm. in Saint Helena, and they have maybe 400 different types of wines there. And so I'll do my market research there and say, what are you suggesting? What's new? What's happening? And they'll walk me through a couple of new ones. And, you know, that's where I discovered my favorite wine, which was a brilliant mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, I just happened to stop in there doing some market research. And they say, here, try this. I said, okay. So I bought, I think, two, three bottles. Cracked one open and was blown away by it. Mm-hmm. And I've been a fan ever since. And uh, it's it's just something uh, that I like to do. I've discovered a lot of great wines. or 12th season of the wine I've, I've, I've got. And uh, found there that it's a, you know, I think it's a 300 case production, and yeah. you won't hear about that anywhere outside right. of that. So we try to tell those stories, right? And so that's where I do my market research, and it's, it's paid off big. It's awesome. So, and I think the readers feel that too because mm-hmm. the, the, they have that aha moment. It's like I need to check this out. This is, fa- you know, fantastic. Yeah. So I want to again ask about your favorite child, and ask. Um, and ask you, what would your favorite AVA in Napa be? Or mm. your favorite three AVAs mm. and why? So you just went from three questions to four questions. I like Boom. that. <laughs> it's the wine. I'm still drinking at 9.30 a.m. Asking the tough questions. Um, when I first came to Napa, I fell in love with the Mount Veeder AVAs. Mm. I, I like the grittiness of mm-hmm. their, yes. their wines. There's, it's more of that volcanic yes. taste. It just it, it lasts a little longer in the palate. Um, and, but I've evolved now a little bit more to, I'm starting to lean more towards Howell Mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Howell Mountain wines age really well. And so I've been starting to really fall in love with that. And third would have to be Diamond Mountain. Mm. Um, I, you know, those are probably my top three. 
they produce some fantastic wines. They all produce great wines. So you are a big fan of mountain fruit. Yes. That's yes. what we can and, glean. And it's more, and because they tend to be more bold too. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, as I said earlier, that's kind of, I like that bold calves and they all, most of their wines come from those regions. Mm-hmm. But they all produce fantastic. You know, each ABA is a little different. That's right. Um, so there's the wines within the ABA. So uh, I mean, I, um, I may have favorites in each of the ABAs, um, but in general, those would be the ones that, uh, that I like most. And you're actually here in town for the Taste of Howl Mountain, which is a an annual event um, which gets together a bunch of producers on Howl Mountain um, so that people in the trade can actually taste these magnificent um, fruits of the mountains, correct? That is correct. There's uh, 46 wineries there. 46 wow. wineries. Um, awesome. It's going to be a brutal day, Yes. Mm, but I'm taking one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, So there, there's some fantastic wines there. I know a lot of the winemakers there mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's just, it, it's for me, it's twofold. First, to, to taste some of the other wines that I may have not had yet, mm-hmm. but also to meet some of the winemakers there and to say hi to some old friends now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a fabulous event. It uh, runs for about five hours. They have live music. Mm. They have uh, the silent auction mm-hmm. and a live auction. And so I'm really looking forward to the event. And I just love and- that. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, I just love that Napa has so many great events that go on almost on a weekly basis. Absolutely. And we can find some of those events in Napa Valley Life magazine, correct? That is correct. We'll either cover them um, or have a calendar of events on our site so you can find those events as well and follow along and then we usually follow up some of those the major events with a write-up both online and our print. Fantastic. Well, Kevin, it's been so great uh, playing three questions with you, which Janae turned into four questions. But if you want to know more about Napa Valley and Napa Valley lifestyle, definitely go to NapaValleyLife.com and check them out. But you know what? I got to say, I grabbed one of your magazines, the print magazines, the print edition uh, at the Bottle Rock Music Festival. And I recently took it on a plane ride with me. And I just loved leafing through all the pages in the traditional sense. When I went through the magazine, I was like, this reminds me of one of those great magazines that you really rely on uh, on the airplane to figure out your next adventure, your next destination, your next experience. Or when you arrive at your hotel, you see a magazine there that tells you all about the local places that you need to go. And I just found that that Napa Valley Life magazine was that kind of great resource for me when I flipped through the pages to see not only great events, but great stories and great profiles of winemakers and chefs. And I just really appreciated that. And then, you know, the fun part was like, I saw all your advertisers in there too, which really piqued my curiosity is like, oh, I got to go check that place out. And I got to go check that place out. It's just a, a nice way to traditionally look at media. And I would say also that I think Napa Valley Life magazine does a wonderful job of making the average um, kind of novice to the area and the first time visitor to the area feel like an insider and giving the insider kind of in the know um, information, whether it is where to go, what to see, where to eat, what to do, um, but also kind of insider knowledge, um, deep wine knowledge on, again, the AVAs and and, and, uh, the education, education on Napa Valley. And I think that is going to be very appreciated by a lot of the people who read your magazine and who have read your magazine over the last 20 years. So I commend you for that. Well, we appreciate that. And you guys are making me blush. So, <laughs> no, that's um, the wine in your cheeks. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I appreciate the kind words. And, you know, we look at our, the folks that um, even our advertisers, I call them partners because that's truly what we, we do with them. We, we try to really create longstanding partnerships that really 
profile their businesses and what they're doing. Um, and the winemakers, it's interesting. I, I try to break from the term winemakers because I was sitting down with Mike Smith one day and we were, we were talking and he, he says, I prefer the term wine crafter. And I mm-hmm. thought a lot about that yeah. and it nails it so perfectly. Perfect. Yeah. That's truly what they are. They really are crafters. They're artists. They're artisans creating this love in a bottle. They're not just makers. There's yeah. auto makers. They just, you know, put bolts into a car. Yeah. Wine, the, 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 the vintners really do put their love and passion in a That's bottle right. and then they capture that and that to me is truly captures the essence of who they are and that's what we try to do is try to to help paint that picture as best we can so they really are wine crafters yeah awesome for our audience stay tuned for future episodes of sip on this where we will jointly share our experience in wine country and wine country experiences with napa valley life magazine and remember to subscribe to sip on this on itunes stitcher soundcloud tune in or anywhere you get your podcasts you can also see pictures from today's episode at siponthis.org and we'd like to give a special thank you to our host napa valley vintners south napa the campus of Ole Health. And Kevin, thanks again for joining us on Sip on This. It was a great pleasure to getting to know you and sharing wine with you and sharing your wine story. So thank you so much. Until our next episode, live life peacefully, productively, and deliciously. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Great to see you. Thanks so much. Oh, my God. Great wine. Thanks for sharing this with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is great.